Hey, parents. Welcome to Training Wheels, our parenting podcast here at Central. Uh, Glad you're joining us. Let me just remind you of kind of the format of this. Uh, A a lot of weeks we're going to be reviewing the previous weekend sermon and giving you some tips on how to take that truth and share it with your children in terms of their spiritual formation. Other times we're going to have just other guests that come in with specific areas I'm going to be asking them questions about in terms of parenting. Um, Pay attention because in the next few weeks we're going to have some really cool people uh, in the studio to uh, interview and ask some questions. So uh, be aware of that as we move on. I just wanted to remind you that one of the goals of this podcast is just to get you talking with your kids about important spiritual issues. My heart is that you would grow in your confidence and ability to train your children spiritually. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way that he or she should go. Even when they're old, they won't depart from it, meaning they won't depart from the training or the truth. That means you have to be intentional about teaching your children spiritual truth. And again, that's really the reason for this podcast. I understand there there are stages to parenting, from infants to young adults, and the method, approach, and content of that training can be dramatically different depending on the ages of your children. I'm praying that you'll be able to take the content or principle of a lesson and apply it to your unique situation. I, I know these podcasts go not only to parents with biological children, but also families with adopted children and families with children that are blended by second marriages. We'll try to take all of that into consideration when we put these podcasts together, but it will still take an adjustment on your end to make appropriate application to your unique life situation. So this past weekend, as we continued the series called The Trap, we addressed one of the most important topics in the New Testament, the willingness to forgive others who have hurt or offended us. It's so important that Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, that if we refuse to forgive others for their sins against us, God won't forgive our sins. I explained that I don't believe that that means we lose our eternal salvation just because we struggle to forgive someone. Instead, I believe God disciplines us and makes our lives uh, painful so that we will forgive. When we refuse to forgive, we find ourselves in a prison, a trap, and God wants to free us from that trap of offense, so he disciplines us Uh, out of his love. I believe God withholds blessings from us until we choose to forgive others. That's how important this issue of forgiveness is. But when we do forgive, we find freedom from negative emotions, and the Lord begins to restore what we lost through the offense. Many of you have heard of a a woman named Corrie ten Boom. She was a Dutch watchmaker and later a writer who worked with her father, Casper ten Boom, her sister, Betsy ten Boom, and other family members to help many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II by hiding them in her home. They were caught, and she was arrested and sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp. Her most famous book, The Hiding Place, is a biography that recounts the story of her family's efforts and how she found hope while she was imprisoned at the concentration camp. Her story is a beautiful story of pain, offense, and forgiveness. She tells the story of being able to forgive a German guard who had contributed to her sister's death in the concentration camp and her own humiliation. Years later, she encounters that same guard after she had spoken to a group of Germans about the power of God's forgiveness in Christ. Now her ability to truly forgive her offender was staring her in the face. I want to read this story. Parents, I encourage you to Bring your children in. Have them listen to this story with you. 
and then discuss the meaning of it. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that when there's forgiven sins, they were thrown into the sea. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their wraps. In silence, they left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück, concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take the hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner from among thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had again and again been forgiven, but could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It couldn't have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it was not only a commandment of God, but it was my daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland, Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness 
remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there, with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that, too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Corey said the one thing that she could do was stick out her hand. That was it. She knew she had to move in some way toward forgiveness with this guard that had injured her. So she did what she could do, and God did the rest. God filled her heart with his love and set her free. What's one thing you can do today to move toward forgiving the person who has really wronged you? Remember, unforgiveness puts us in a prison that's painful, and the only way out is to forgive. Parents, remember, a big part of your training of your children in the way they should go is modeling it to them. Live out forgiveness and reconciliation in front of your children so they can see what it looks like. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm praying that you guys have a great week as you continue to think about this concept of forgiveness and the trap of offense, and you continue to, to make the choice to walk out of the trap. God bless you.